Hi, I'm Zeb from Dubois, Pennsylvania. The Sound of Young America is an independent production supported by listeners like you and me. If you'd like to donate to support the show, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. Live on tape from my house in Los Angeles, I'm Jesse Thorne, and this is The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org. Radio sweetheart, on the airways, it's the sound of It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest on this program is the actress Jane Lynch. She's one of the stars of the new Stars series, Party Down. On the show, she plays a catering waitress who has a side career as an actress. As she enters middle age without having caught her big break, she has a surprisingly zen attitude about it. Here's a scene from the show. Hey, Henry. You're not still down in the dumps about this whole Hollywood thing, are you? (sighs) No? You know, when you've been in the acting business as long as I have, you see that everything comes and goes in cycles. You're up. You're down. Yeah, I, I mean, I quit, so... Yeah, you it's sound like my friend Ed. Now, Ed was an actor, and he tried and tried and never got that magic role. He worked nights at a copy store and lived in a terrible apartment filled with roaches, but he never gave up. Mm. And then, on his 60th birthday... He said, that's it. I quit. I can't do this anymore. Guess what happened a week later? He got discovered. He died. He just dropped dead. He was on Venice Pier, and uh, some tourists asked him to take their picture, and he stepped back a little too far. (laughs) Hang in there. Okay. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest on the program, actress Jane Lynch, has been... uh, the highlight of films, including but not limited to, uh, let's see, Best in Show, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, recently Role Models. She's also been a regular player on The L Word, among many other television programs. Uh, basically, if you look at uh, this woman's IMDb, there are few uh, primetime television programs that she has not appeared on. She's also uh, now one of the featured players in the cast of the Stars sitcom Party Down. Jane, welcome to the Sound of Young America. It's great Thank to have you. Thank you. I'm really glad to be here. Thanks. Oh, that's great. That was really sincere. It was. I meant it. Oh, that's Every fiber nice of my of being you, is resonating with the gratitude. I really appreciate that. So <laughs> I, speaking of your IMDb, I noticed that your... Um, you're, by the time your credits start, by the time your L.A. television and film credits start, you are already pretty much in your 30s. Mm-hmm. Did you have a different plan for your life before age 30, or you know, were you I stopped having, a hard having time plan- getting a gig? I, I stopped making plans for my life when I turned about 40. It, it um, I had all sorts of plans uh, that were kind of happening and kind of not. And uh, but I got to be about 39, and I took a walk on Runyon Canyon, which is in Los Angeles, and I said to myself. Ugh, I think I better quit. And it was within a couple of months that I got best in show. But it was certainly not, you know, toiling unrewarded. I was I had a voiceover career that was, you know, keeping me in um an apartment and and um paying my bills and I had uh commercials like 1998 99 I did a 
boatload of commercials, and that really helped help me buy a house. And I, I'd have a guest spot on a sitcom here and there, but it wasn't until Best in Show, which I was 39, and um, uh, that's uh, kind of blew the doors open to this wave that I've been riding for the last, I guess it's almost nine years now. And uh, yeah, so I was, you know, against all uh, Hollywood um, beliefs. My career really didn't start till I was 40. Best in Show was one of these uh, uh, mostly improvised Christopher Guest ensemble comedy pieces. And, and he's well known for keeping a very um, sort of repertory cast. How did you end up getting into the club? Uh, happy accidents, really. Uh, I uh, I did a commercial with Christopher. He's a he's a director too. He directs commercials, and um, I did a Kellogg's Frosted Flakes commercial with him uh, shortly before he started. Um, <laughs> shortly before he started. We've got to get guests. <laughs> exactly, and he does. He still does. He he directs anything that's good on television that's a commercial. He's directed it. And um, uh, then Best in Show came along after that, and I ran into him at a restaurant, like as he was just putting it together. And um, he said, I've got an idea. Come to my office. And so we had a little meeting. And by the end of it, I was going to be on my way to Vancouver to shoot Best in Show. So it was a it was a big deal. Did you think of it as a big of a deal as it turned out to be yes, at the time? Yes, I kind of knew it was going to be a big deal. I don't know that it, I thought it was going to be a big deal where it would make me famous or make me rich. But I knew that... Certainly exactly, not as rich and famous as, as you I, are I ended now. up being. Yes, I'm dripping in cash, and uh, I can't walk down the street unmolested. Um, but I knew that it was uh, exactly the kind of work I wanted to do. When I saw Waiting for Guffman, I saw it by myself in a theater, the Angelica Theater in New York, and I almost fell in the aisles, laughing and also going, "Oh my God, this is what I want to do." Not, it's not big stuff. It's all about people being very, very real and having dreams and yearning within their own little microcosm of the universe. And and I loved that. I just adored it. And uh, uh, when I got this film, uh, Best in Show, I thought, this is it. This is exactly where I want to be. How lucky am I? How did the experience when you got to the set compare to the uh, setup that you'd given yourself in your head? Well, I was really afraid. I mean, I was, I was, um, I had a lot of anxiety around it. And um, Jennifer Coolidge, who was my partner in this, probably had a, a little bit more anxiety. So, <laughs> you know how there's in a duo, if one person has more anxiety than the other, then the other person is kind of forced to be the calm one. So I was, I kind of uh, calmed down and would comfort her. And uh, we were very much partners in this. You know, it was the first time for both of us. So I had her hand to hold, and um, she had mine, and it was a lot of fun. And we had a really good time, really great time, because we didn't uh, mingle with the other cast members until the dog show part. So we had a full, you know, movie to shoot without them. The way Chris shoots is so simple. It's There's no rehearsal. Um, and you just kind of show up and you gab, 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 and you they shoot forever. The takes go on forever, and you hope you know, that you've given him something he can use. And as it turns out, he's a terrific editor, so he takes it into a little dark room for several months and makes it, you know, he basically hands you a performance. With Sherry Ann, we have this fantastic friendship, too. It's really mm. great. And we have our, a little bit of a family dynamic going here, and it pretty much mirrors what I grew up with, you know. My uh, my father was the uh, the uh, taskmaster, the, which is the disciplinarian, which is what I do. I'm the mommy slash daddy. That's right. Like Mr. Punishment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know, and also mm. reward. Mm. But um, Sherry's responsible for the unconditional love, you know. Just... And the d decorative uh, abilities. Exactly, the heart and the soul, you know, mm. which is what my mother did. And that was her job. You know, she was there for the unconditional love. Mm. And it worked for my family, you know, until my mom committed suicide in 81. 
he basically gives you your given circumstances. You know, you're um, you're the top trainer, and you hook up with this woman who has this top poodle, and she's married to an old guy, and you guys aren't going to end up making out. That's basically what he said. So we pretty much fill in, you know, how the characters feel about each other and how they feel about their job. Like, um, you know, Jennifer made her into this um, really kind of uh, vacuous. Um, confused heiress type <laughs> who, who um, just wanted to win, and and um, I, I made my character, you know, you know, kind of ruthless and ambitious, but really with a deep, deep insecurity. You know, please let me be someone in this world which I w- could really identify with, and um, uh, so we get to decide how the characters look, and he'll say. To the wardrobe person, you know, ask Jane what she wants to wear. Ask Jennifer what they want to wear. The, the um, scene uh, director will come up to you and say, what do you think your house should look like? And they actually listen to you. It's uh, kind of a unique and rare situation in movie making where they ask you about all aspects of your character and how you want it to look and sound. You know, one of the things that I really like about the Christopher Guest movies is that so many of the characters are women and they get to be really funny. Yeah. Um, That's something that you don't see a lot in a lot of comedy in Hollywood, even in ensembles. And I... I read that you actually end up auditioning for parts that are written for men I sometimes. Do. Yeah, the forty-year-old virgin was written for a man. The store manager, uh, Steve Carell, who I've known since Chicago, his wife Nancy Walls, and God bless her for this, said, "You know, you've got too many men in your movie. You need a woman, other than just the love interest." And I said, "You should bring Jane in for the store manager." And he said, "Okay." And so we improvised together, and that's where that's where the me coming on to him came out. So that's kind of nice to you know get a role that maybe was meant for a guy. <laughs> How is it different for you as a woman in your 40s than it was as a woman in your 20s and 30s mm-hmm. f- finding these roles? Well, for me, and this is probably particular to me, um, I didn't work in my 20s and 30s. Um, I just didn't. I wasn't uh, getting cast. I hadn't grown into who I was going to be. I guess I was meant you, to be a 40-year-old. Were you trying to get work? Oh, yeah, in the th- my 30s especially. Um, and I'd get the occasional, like, doctor on Party of Five, um, the sales lady on some sitcom, and um, the Lamaze coach on Empty Nest, you know, something like Always an authorita- uh, authoritative position, too. Um, I think I had to grow into – I had to be 40 in order to – spread my wings in bigger parts and that's just particular to me and it certainly goes against the grain for the the um the hollywood belief that once you're 40 you don't work anymore you know it kind of depends on who you are as as a person and where your prime is you know because sometimes people work in their 20s and their early 30s and you don't see them again because just kind of who they are doesn't translate to a, you know their gift was being 25 to 35 Why do you think it it has worked so well since you were 40? I think I did kind of find a niche, you know, accidentally. It was like kind of rolled into it, like I rolled out of bed and rolled into this niche one morning and went, whoa, I'm here. And then people start to say, oh, well, you know what? We could use, you know, like that best in show thing worked with Jane Lynch, Jennifer Coolidge, that kind of character thing. Why don't we put that in here? And um, so, you know, I think uh, the same thing for Jennifer. I had to speak for her, but I think she would agree that, you know, her career didn't start to take off until, you know, Best in Show as well. And I think it's because we've kind of found a niche together. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've... You're wrong. Okay. (laughs) And moving on. Reset. (laughs) 
It's the sound of young America. I'm Jesse <laughs> Thorne. My guest on the program is the comic actress Jane Lynch. Glad to be here. You've been um, you've been out pretty much your whole career, um, as I understand it. And you know, when you were in your 20s and 30s and auditioning for commercials, I can't imagine that that had a huge impact on your career. Well, nobody cared or knew. No one <laughs> asked me if I was. And... It's not like you know when you go into audition, you fill mm-hmm. in your height and weight. You don't put in check uh, gay. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I'm sure that uh, had some. Uh, companies like Procter and Gamble known maybe they wouldn't have been so excited to use me as the mom. I don't know. I have no idea. Has it had any effect uh, mm-hmm. over the past ten years? Uh, no, it hasn't, as far as I know. And if it has, it's been behind my back. And um, I have the people who came before me to thank, like Melissa Etheridge and Alan DeGeneres, and all those people who kind of took one for the team and um, uh, came out when it wasn't popular to say. And I, I didn't have to have a coming out. I kind of just seamlessly started having a career, um, and, and nobody really seems to care, which is great. <laughs> it's great. I got bigger fish to fry. So does the world. <laughs> I, you know, I, when I was uh, reading about you on the internet this morning, preparing for this interview, I saw you. Uh, this will, I think, prove wrong your claim that nobody seems to care. <laughs> I saw an interview that you did with a program called the Celesbian show or something <laughs> something involving the uh, portmanteau so lesbian <laughs> and it occurred to me that uh, from the hyperventilating that this woman who was interviewing you was in fact the premise of the interview was essentially her hyperventilations about getting to meet you oh. was uh, that you get to be by virtue of your tremendous success and skill and also being out your whole career you get to be kind of a gay icon is that <laughs> Is that fun? Like, it seems like it would be fun. Um, I, you know, that's funny. You can ask some somebody if they're a gay icon. How do you answer <laughs> that without? Yes, I am a gay icon. You won the top ten out ladies in Hollywood well, award or something like that. Well, you try and come up with ten lesbians in show business <laughs> every year and give them an award. I was bound to get one. Uh, yeah, it's it's nice. It's great. You know what's wonderful about it, and I don't mean to sound like I'm. Um, so altruistic, but it, what's great about it is that there are kids out there in you know the far reaches of the country where it's not real popular to come out as a homosexual, who see um, that if you go to the right places like L.A., New York, maybe Chicago, you you can be who you are, and nobody's going to give you a hard time, and um, that there are places in this world where you will be loved for who you are, and and not because uh, you know or, or revile you because of your sexuality or your orientation. It's the sound of young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is the actress Jane Lynch. We'll have more with Jane when we come back in just a minute. Production of the sound of young America is supported in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered online at ask.metafilter.com. The sound of young America is live in Portland on Saturday, April 26th. The show's at 4.30 p.m. at the Baghdad Theater, and we've got a crazy great lineup of guests. Music from Mira and Blitzen Trapper, comedy from Reggie Watts on the third floor, and interviews with Nick Kroll and Brian Michael Bentis. Best of all, tickets are only 10 bucks at the door. Bring your friends to The Sound of Young America Live in Portland the afternoon of Saturday, April 26th. You can find more information on our live page at MaximumFun.org or visit BridgetownComedyFestival.com. That's the live page at MaximumFun.org or BridgetownComedyFestival.com. It's the sound of young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is the actress Jane Lynch. 
Um, let's talk a little bit about Party Down. It's, it's it's such a great show. You the character that you play on this show is kind of the opposite of those stern authority figures. Was that part yeah. of the appeal? Of yeah. For well, you? you know, I got to do whatever I wanted with it, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to relax a little bit. I'm going to bring it down a notch and not be the person who's strategizing and uh, advocating and you know who has an agenda. And um, I made Constance this very in the moment, happy, unflappable, really doesn't want to be anywhere else than where she is right now. And kind of has this fake past that she likes to brag about, that she was basically a, a featured extra in movies like Hooper and The Sodden Adventure. <laughs> and um, and loves, has been catering Hooper. for 25 years and, um, and loves it. Her name is Constance, and so that's where I got my cue. She's constantly catering. <laughs> and everybody else, all the other crew members, and um, there's five other actors in our ensemble, uh, they play characters who are really young and hungry and striving to get somewhere, you know, and they would want to be anywhere but catering that they got to pay the bill so are you milking me for information old mcdonald i'm not in the mood it's brilliant thank you it felt really good it was fantastic hey guys hey did you hear about callum's dad he has a production company and they're thinking of doing a live action old mcdonald for kids and he thinks i have a quality just kind of running through the whole barnyard here you know trying to find the right animal oh okay how about your pig? You got a pig in the repertoire? This little piggy's going to market! Find some of the physicality. Oh, actually, this actually, little piggy's going to market! Okay, now do it again, but think like a pig. Okay. This little piggy's going to market! Incredible. Yeah, Constance, actually, Ron really wanted you to do the veggie platter okay, now. Okay, okay. So, yeah, sorry. Stay right here. Okay? okay, I'm right here. Don't go anywhere. Hurry back. I will, okay. I will. You got a gift. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Did you ever reach that state of zen calm about your career when you were desperately trying to Never. book Kellogg's Frosted Flake No, not then, no. I always had some equanimity, I think. Um, I always had a little. I think that's what kept me going so I wasn't destroyed, you know, because this is, you know, when you want to be an actor and you kind of stick with it and um, and it's been what you wanted for your entire life, It's there's a lot of passion around it and a lot of desire and a lot of fear that you're not going to get what you really feel you were put on the planet to do, so... Um, I had something in me that kept me from, um, you know, spinning out of control and, 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 and getting, um, you know, completely depressed about it. So I have always had a little bit of equanimity, but I, I have a great deal more now. Is what you're doing now what you had imagined yourself for yourself, say, when you were in the yeah. when you were in the second city in Chicago or something like that? Yeah, I think so. I think I'm doing. I, I, yeah. You know, I, I, I never would have planned the way I got here. I thought I would like get discovered and be in a sitcom or something, and it just hasn't turned out that way. I've been I piecemealed my way to where I am, so um, I knew what I wanted, but I didn't know exactly how it was going to happen. And I think a good lesson for you kids out there too is to don't don't have a plan for how it's supposed to happen. Just know what you want and be open to taking a left here and a right there, even though it seems like like doing Second City was not my goal. I w- thought I wanted to be an, a theater actress, and Second City was the one of the many resumes I sent out that week that called me and said, "Come in for an audition." And I was like, "All right, it's not exactly what I wanted to do, but I, you know, I wanted to do something in the theater." And I ended up getting in the touring company, and I started loving doing sketch and the little bit of improv that you do in the touring company. You don't do much. 
um, you know, it was really good training. We talked a little bit about uh, the way those Christopher Guest movies have so many uh, generous characters for women. There's this wonderful renaissance going on right now in uh, a comedic film. Just the other day, I was thinking about the fact that um, if I had, you know, looked at the comedies in movie theaters 15 years ago, I wouldn't have seen... I mean, outside of maybe the occasional Wayne's World, like there was just the big stars of comedy were people that I didn't really think were funny. Mm-hmm. And um, today, if I look at the, you know, the stars in, in movies, th- in movie theaters, they're like all people that I think are really great. Like, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, good. But at the same time, this uh, type of movie that has come to the fore is largely about, you know, slightly tender for dudes, but it's all, they're all about dudes. Yeah. Bromance. Pretty much. Like, do you, do you see anything, like, do you see any opportunities on the horizon Mm -hmm. for, where do you see that coming? And and is that, do you think that's a problem with these movies that they really are about, all these comedies really are about guys? Well, you kind of can't make somebody make a movie about something they don't want to make a movie about. And, you know, Judd makes, Judd Apatow makes movies about what he knows and, and he's great at it. And, um, and he gets to make a lot of them. And they're all good, too. I mean, he, they're all good, and they're all funny. Um, I mean, this is a man's world, and it is harder for women to make their presence known. And it's it's systemic, and um, I, I really try as a practice not to step so far outside of myself that I'm viewing the entity that is Hollywood and get frustrated about it and plot on how I can change it. Um, I, I just... You know, I, I don't have like an agenda to bring more women to comedy or to make myself, you know, more uh, prevalent. But, you know, I just try to keep my nose to the grindstone and, and worry about me and not uh, things that are bigger than me. I try not to go macro. Well, Jane, thank you so much for being on the San Diego America. What a joy to have you. Thanks for having me. This has been fun. Jane Lynch is uh, not only featured in the upcoming Fox sitcom Glee, she's also currently on the Stars Network or on your Netflix and things like that in uh, the great new series Party Down. Thanks again. Thank you. That's our time for another Sound of Young America program. I've been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. The show produced by Speaking Into Microphones, our theme music written and performed by Dan Grayson with help from myself. Interstitial music provided by Dan Wally. Our editor is Nick White. Our intern, Brian Fernandez. The third annual Maximum Fun Drive is May 1st to May 15th, so get ready to donate big time for awesome prizes, uh, which we call thank you gifts, and uh, lots of other cool stuff, uh, which is in the works for the Maximum Fun Drive, May 1st through May 15th. You can email me directly if you have thoughts about the show, jesse at MaximumFun.org, or you can post them on our forums at MaximumFun.org slash forum. Of course, I urge you to visit MaximumFun.org, check out the blog, and uh, you know, if you visit MaximumFun.org, you might uh, be in for a surprise. Uh over the next couple weeks or so, as long as everything goes according to Hoyle. Anyway, we'll see you next time right here on The Sound of Young America.